All right, hello and welcome to Sweet Sweet Death. I'm Heather. And I'm John. And we made it. Um, Laura has COVID. And she didn't get it from us, thankfully, because we had COVID as we well. We COVID. Well, hey, I, well, I think I'm past the contagious stage. Last symptoms were right around New Year's or just after. So I think I'm well within that range. I think you are too. But we go back to work and school on Monday, so... Oh, no. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. <gasps> oh, I go back to work. That's right. Kid doesn't have school. Kid doesn't have school. And I start a new job on Monday, too. So I came home and was like, yeah, I start Monday. And then you were like, damn it. She doesn't have school Monday. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so we did not plan accordingly. Um, but, yeah, it was like, I'm not going to ask them already to... Can I have Monday off? For my first day off. <laughs> Can I have my very first day off? Typically, Man. yeah, employers don't like to hear stuff like that. I, I know I don't. never did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, what's the uh, what's the shortest you ever lasted on a job, John? Like, not not fired, but like, because I've heard stories like when I, when I worked at Cynthia's and I remember Kurt telling this story about this guy that was just really weird. It was his first day. He's a temp... And he's a, he just keeps doing these weird, overly masculine things, you know, trying to show what a big swinging dick he was. He'd be like, he'd always be like, hey, and then puff his chest out and be like, hey, I'm going to go take a smoke break. And he's like, okay. And then the dude took a smoke break and never came back. (laughs) So like, do you ever, have you worked any jobs like that ever? Um, I sold vacuum cleaners for three days. All right. Did you sell a single vacuum? I did not. Oh, so not a salesman. Not really. I, then I went on to sell cars, which I didn't <laughs> really have a real stellar um, record with either. I, I last that job all of six weeks. Right. Yeah. I've, you know, in every time I've ever looked for jobs and there's been sales, there's always sales jobs for people to take. It's incredible. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because it's awful. I've never done sales. I mean, I've done like retail. I've done things where I was supposed to upsell even. And I never even did that. I got, back when Walden Books was a thing, we had a secret shopper. I got the store a D because I didn't upsell anything. I really didn't do too much really to interact with her, but shit, man, it's a bullshit minimum wage. It was a calendar kiosk, man. I'm getting rated on my calendar kiosk sales skills. You didn't even work in the bookshop. You worked for the kiosk out in the mall hallway. That is correct. And and I got the kiosk a D, you know. She was a terrible boss, man. She seemed to be an advanced piece of work. You met her. Like, she was out of her mind, dude. She was bizarre. Like, I remember that one night I, I spent the night at this woman's house with another worker because she was like, we're hanging out. And I liked the girl. And I was like, okay, sure. I guess I can go hang out at the boss's house. And it was so uncomfortable. And like, she started telling me things about her daughter and how like her daughter was basically assaulted by one of her ex-boyfriends. And I'm like, why the fuck are you telling me this? 
I've asked no questions. This was all volunteered to me. And it just, as the night went on, she divulged more shit that was like, I don't need to know any of this. I don't want to know any of this. This is fucking terrible. You know, the people that do those downloads on you and it's like, um, A, you're making me feel real uncomfortable. B, I don't know what role I'm supposed to be playing here. Am I supposed to listen or participate? Yeah. Am I supposed to tell you job well done or I'm sorry about your kid or what what it, what am I supposed to do with this information because I'm your employee like you're my boss I don't need to know about your next court date for your pervy ex-boyfriend <laughs> like why are you telling me this and I think I'd been working there a couple weeks you know it, yeah anyway we've all probably had bosses Maybe not quite to that degree, but we've all had bad bosses. Oh, you yeah. have. Well, you have, but you're like Laura. Laura attracts the strangest people to her. Somehow, like all the weirdos find her. And then I think you're the same way. We're like only the most twitchy, pill-popping, meth-head motherfuckers <laughs> like need to bother you when they see you. Well, it's like the one time in the army where the lieutenant's screaming at me to move my, my equipment and vehicle to a valley where my radios wouldn't work. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, sir, um, the radios aren't going to transmit through five kilometers of, of granite. And he goes, I, I know that. What kind of idiot do you take me for, Corporal? Um, I don't know, sir. What kind of idiot are you? Yep. <laughs> and so that's why I'm a corporal, not a sergeant. Yeah. Well, we're 20, 30 years ago? About 30, About yeah. 30 years ago. Yep. Well, damn, man. So we went to went to California over Christmas and New went, Year. Went to um, Vegas. Went to Vegas. My sister got married. Uh, yeah, I feel like I buried the lead there. When I was telling people I was going to Vegas, I'd be like, yeah, we're going to Vegas. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, and also my sister's getting married. Yeah. <laughs> like, I forgot. There was this whole purpose behind going to Vegas. There was a purpose behind going to Vegas. What what you had was an excuse. <laughs> well, yes, that is accurate. And she knew that. <laughs> she was cool with it. Yeah, because, I mean, we're never going to just stop in Vegas. You know, we've got we've got a twelve year old. We're not ditching her in the hotel rooms so that we can go gamble and drink. That'd be awful. I'm sure people do it. She wouldn't be alone. <laughs> she wouldn't be alone. All the sad hallway kids can play with each other <laughs> while their parents get sloshed <laughs> down in the casino. And lose their kids' college funds. And lose the college fund. Yep. <laughs> uh won no money, which is to be expected. The house wins. Um I mean, yeah, we didn't God, get, what did we do? We didn't get skinned. No, but. no, not a, we lost money, but it wasn't, uh, yeah, I mean, we weren't putting up the, the fucking house. There were some people playing like they had bet the mortgage. Like They had bet the they mortgage. They probably had bet the mortgage. No no out negative outbursts. I guess just mean positive ones of like, oh, thank God, now I can pay my rent kind of <laughs> screaming, you know? <laughs> Well, we uh, got to eat at uh, Gordon Ramsay's uh, restaurant there in the uh, Planet Hollywood. Oh my gosh, that was really good. I had one of the best hot dogs I have ever <laughs> had in my life. Yep. That... It was outstanding. It was so nice that it didn't even come on a hot dog bun. They took a huge piece of bread sliced off of a loaf <laughs> that somebody probably baked on the premises. Yeah. And toasted it so that it curled around the hot dog mm-hmm. like the world it's what a hot dog bun is supposed to be like <laughs> yeah 
Uh, I so I went to Johnson and Wales, but like our our breads teacher, as annoying as he was, he he talked about working. I think he said for the MGM Grand, and that he he provided a lot of the hotels with their bread. So I I do well. No, I guess he said if it was baked into the bun, then yeah, it probably was. I wonder if they like got their dough from another casino or something it not was, casino hotel i mean it was done right there it was probably done that day if not that evening it was right fantastic. well i'm saying like sometimes they don't always have well house baker yeah something like that or like someone to make the dough I, it wouldn't surprise me too if they went and got the dough from another baker you know in vegas i'm sure they do deals that, like that yeah that's what i'm saying because they, they got they got they tunnels didn't have under a big the strip enough, yeah i get that you brought up a guy that i totally forgot about but yes jesus guy the the giant intersection right there in the middle of Vegas Boulevard or whatever with his like gunny. I don't know. He had like some apparatus to like comfortably hold, you know, the weight of it on his shoulders and his hips or something. He had like a quad, he had like a five level sign that he's walking around. It's like, it's on like a four by four and it's got five levels of, of hand printed cardboard, got this at office depot sign. And then he's got loudspeakers attached to this contraption that he yep. speaks into, you know, through what we used to call the military, a bitcher, just basically mm-hmm. a bullhorn. And he's just trying to have conversations with people in their car, driving down Las Vegas Boulevard. And he's trying to engage people who are in the crosswalk crossing. Well, I don't from- know that he was trying to engage with anybody. He was just speaking over and over and was loudspeaker. You can be saved. You need to find Jesus, this, that, and the other, the Lord is coming. Revelation. Relations. But he just would, he just walked every time the little crossman light would come on, he would just walk with the crowd, just shouting about how Jesus saves. And it looked like he just walked in a little square all night, you know, just. I mean, it's probably good exercise. I I figure this cat probably gets about 10,000 steps, uh, 10,000 steps a day at least. At least, because he, he was very skinny. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say healthy, but there wasn't a lot of fat on him, let's put it that there way. There was not. He was very lean. Um, and then it would be funny because he'd be walking and then like eight stripper advertisement trucks <laughs> would roll by. It's like, well, you're in the right place. I mean, you're not really in the right place because this is why people come here. They're not coming here to be saved by you. I really wonder how many people have been saved by that man walking in a little square in front of Planet Hollywood and Cosmo and, you know. You know what scripture says, if he saves only one, he served, fulfilled his purpose here on Earth, right? Oh, my God. Oh, like a, yeah, like a Jedi. You're here until you've served your purpose, and then the Force just knocks you out of the ballpark. Get out of here. That or you get sideswiped by one of those uh, stripper advertisement vans. (laughs) That's right. Because that's what's known as irony. Oh, man, that would be so... But anyway, we we uh, we enjoyed ourselves. Uh, didn't dump a bunch of cash. I think we're down a down a couple of hundred. Uh, but we did buy our own drinks a lot of the time, and uh, we got to eat some really good food. And yeah. Walked over to the Cosmo, and boy, is <laughs> they they they've got the A game playing over there. They their, do. Their machines were big and bright and fancy, and it's ooh, a lot. Tripped all the neuro- yeah, serotonin Yeah, I was telling triggers. you, like if if we stay again, you know, but we're. We're so busy, but if we get to go back anytime soon, I, I would definitely like to stay at the Cosmo. That looked very nice. Planet Hollywood was fine. It did feel a little, a little worn. Yeah, like it looked a little tired. It might need a little, little prepping. 
Yeah, I wasn't, up. wasn't as impressed with their gaming floor as I was the first time that we went. Remember, it seemed like we went when I turned 30. It was a big deal. I was exhausted from just coming off of third shift. And like, um, I just remember walking in and it seemed gigantic. I don't know if that was just because I was sleep deprived, like really impressed. Or it just felt so much bigger. Like we were both talking about that when we were walking through. Like, man, is this it? Like, not that it's not not that it's small, it but like it just it shrank. Because I, I remember like it shrank. I remember being really impressed by it. You know, I had been at that point. I hadn't been to Vegas in over twenty years, and so I didn't yeah. really know what to expect. Yeah. And I had, Planet Hollywood took my breath away as we had our dinner the first night, and uh, that we stayed there. Did and we? Is that when we went to that? Um, oh. The Oriental. It was Asian a Thai? restaurant. Yeah, it was, it was Thai. Asian Thai fusion. Yeah. It was really good and I was fairly drunk. No. So but I do I do recall being really amazed by the whole presentation. It looked like the inside of the alien ship in close encounters of the third guy. And yep. There's lights and stuff and everywhere and it went up levels and stuff. And now it's just look kind of deflated and old. Just and tired. a little, right? And then Cosmo, it it didn't. I didn't have that feeling, but it, it just looked a lot better. And then I was really bummed, though, because we went to that one restaurant, the Henry, because we stopped for breakfast one there year, uh, one time years ago. Just on our way driving through, yeah. And you got that corned beef hash, and I remember being like, you've got to <coughs> be fucking kidding me. I had no idea it could taste that good. So we, got, we went to the Henry this last time, and I was like, oh, fuck yes, I'm going to get that corned beef because it was like a huge chunk of corned beef it because usually it looks like dog food you know when it slurps out of a can it looks like dog food comes out of the merry kitchen can (laughs) or the hormel can it's essentially dog food for people exactly and like don't get me wrong it's kind of salty and meaty and it's kind of good but it's not it's not my favorite thing and you got it and i was so impressed got it this time around and it came out kind of denny style it came out the size that i remember it being and no, no, ch- no big, beautiful piece of corned beef. It was the dog food. I was really fucking bummed. And then like you got, got a that delicious of, breakfast. I, I did, but yeah. I mean, the corned beef hash looked like somebody who's got it out of a number 10 can. Yep. And they, they might have, you know, managers come and go, standards yeah. change. Um, oh, yeah, I was, I was really bummed. Their breakfast was not bad, but... I, I got oh, the such a bummer. Got the huevos rancheros, and they're pretty mm-hmm. nice. But the portion size is pretty small, and the price is pretty high. I mean, Slackflation yeah. again, you know? Yeah. So, well, we've come up with a solution, though. We bought that curing salt, and I keep vowing I'm going to buy brisket. But fuck, man, it's expensive. Safeway, the cheapest one they had was 40 bucks. I was like, you know, it's, it's not even going to fit into the crock pot. I can't. So... Yeah, I gotta I gotta go find a little smaller cut of brisket, and now that I'm working again, I'll I'll definitely celebrate by probably buying a a bunch of meat. So what are you gonna talk about today? All right, so today, um, well here's the thing: we originally it was supposed to be Laura, like I said, she got the COVID, so you jumped in, and then it was like, well, fuck it, let's do Oklahoma. This almost seemed like it was meant to be, uh. Because you also spent time in Oklahoma. And that's the proper terminology is spending time. <laughs> you spent time there. You did your time. You yeah. you put in how, just a year? Uh, I was there for almost two years. For almost two years. God damn. It yeah. felt like a lot longer. So you served your sentence. And it, <laughs> you know, 
like I said, we were going to do Texas. I had my Texas story ready and then she had to bail. And then it was like, well, fuck it. You spent all that time in Oklahoma. You've got some amazing Oklahoma stories. Um, and then I, I kind of already knew what I was going to do. So we're going to jump to Oklahoma. Um, and I'm going to do only because I knew so little about it. And it is obviously going to be such a bummer. But the Trail of Tears, I didn't really know anything about the Trail of Tears. I knew it was something about Indian removal. I knew it was bad. I knew a lot of people died. That's a that's about it. And I knew Oklahoma was involved. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were going to or leaving. That's how little I knew about the Trail of Tears. So when I dove in, it was... It was quite the harrowing experience. Boy, am I disappointed in our U.S. government in the 1830s. What a bunch of dicks. So, so in March of 1839, the last group of indigenous people arrived in Oklahoma after being removed illegally by force by the United States government. Between 1836 and 1839, over 100,000 had made the journey, thousands of them dying along the way. Of the 100,000 uh, from the dozens of tribes, uh, 16,000 of them were Cherokee, and they lost over 4,000 along the way from disease, malnutrition, exposure, um, and just a variety of other things. Uh, thousands more from the Creek Nation, Choctaw, Chickasaws, and Seminoles? Seminoles, yeah. Thank you. We're also lost. Um, aside from the blatant, unrelenting racism, uh, white settlers wanted Native people gone for monetary reasons, specifically gold being found in Indian land, as well as having land envy. Um, the Cherokee had spent generations grooming land, keeping it rich, fertile, and uh, workable. And this was not raw wilderness. This was really developed land. And I think that shocked me. Also, having this idea of like Native Americans and they just live off the land and they're, uh, you know, nomads. They, they don't really stay in one place. And then to learn, like, it wasn't like that at all. So I feel angry that a lot got misrepresented um, of my knowledge of what I was taught uh, in elementary, junior high and high school. Just not a really good depiction of Native Americans. So um, at one point, even their Cherokee leader, John Ross, was concerned that no matter how much land natives sold to the Westerners when it wasn't being stolen, that it would never be enough. And boy, was he right. So during the, uh, oof. During the Revolutionary War, many native nations fought against uh, the people that had settled in their country. And when Britain lost, white Americans weren't really ready to let that go. So Andrew Jackson, the seventh president of the United States, was among those that had a pretty open disdain for indigenous people. He would out loud call them savages and then refer to anyone that was of mixed ethnicities, half-breeds. So he was keeping it classy. Um, John Ross uh, wanted there to be unity between the whites and the non-whites. So when he heard that there was a faction that had broken off from the uh, Creek Nation, uh, they were called the Red Sticks that they would be in open retaliation against any white person that entered their land. So Ross wanted the matter resolved. In his mind, white people rarely distinguished between the tribes and would lump every native person with the group. So when Jackson heard about it, he asked, is a citizen of the United States to remain under barbarous lash of cruel and unrelenting savages? You know, like this one little group is, I don't know, causing more trouble than he's claiming. And then in 1814, Jackson, who was not president yet, launched an attack against the Red Sticks. Uh, many think that he would have lost the battle had it not been for the Cherokee that came in and saved 
his civilized ass from getting a tomahawk to the head by attacking from the rear. So during the battle, Jackson was personally saved by a man, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to totally butcher this name, um, Junaluska, and he was a Creek warrior. Uh, the Red Sticks lost over 900 warriors that day, and after that, Jackson declared them all friends and then abruptly confiscated 23 million acres of land from them. So I believe this is also when Jackson adopted an Indian baby um, after he like basically killed their parents, which is very noble and very strange. Uh, so I did not realize he had two or three adopted Indian sons. Um, he liked, from what people said, he liked to make a big show of it. He'd like, has everyone seen my little Indian baby? Like he'd be very, oh, look, look at it. Um, but apparently it, from what was said when the son died, the oldest one, he got buried in an unmarked grave. So I don't think he really cared all that much. Just I think accoutrement. I think he someone said they even heard him refer to the boy as a pet. But he would refer to him as a son in public. But then he like he just had this really just not good. He's a bad man. Uh, delegations were sent to Washington to get the land back, John Ross included, to entertain the Washington folk. One prominent Cherokee leader sang a song, apparently, okay, because, like, it's in the native tongue, so raunchy that his interpreter refused to translate it. And that's not really important to the story. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, after a month of back and forth, the U.S. gave most of the land back and buying the rest at an agreed-upon price. So... I guess this time period is known as the Cherokee Renaissance, um, in which they wrote their own constitution, they developed a written language that was created by a man named Sequoia, and they built a council house and a courthouse and even started a newspaper called the Cherokee Phoenix, which I thought was just awesome. Um, yeah, and they said that, like, they were actually starting, once they had that written language, they were starting to, um, they had surpassed all the white settlers nearby, in educating their own people. So like once they had it, they were like, oh, fuck yeah. And they just took off with it. And I think that like pissed people off probably for how dare you create your own language and become more literate than us. Um, it is kind of embarrassing. It isn't. They should be embarrassed. Uh, many tribes had completely assimilated by this point and there were still plenty of, there were still plenty of people living the old life, but they understood that the world was changing. You know, at first there was a lot of resistance to people sending their kids to, to Christian schools and learning English, but there was kind of this understanding that like, dude, it's happening. It's happening whether you like it or not. Yes, we want the old world, but this is like our reality. We need to accept it. So there were a lot of people wearing wearing the suits and speaking the language and, you know, they using the lingo and using that market economy to start driving their, you know, their own uh, tribes. Um so let's see. Yeah, they did everything the way the white people did, and then they still got called savages. Um, despite treaties being in place to promise certain tracts of land, Georgia wanted more. Uh, Georgia specifically said, fuck that treaty, and started passing a bunch of contradictory laws to the treaties. So good old Georgia asserted jurisdiction over all the Cherokee territory and annulled the nation's laws, annexed the land, and started uh, piecing the land out via lottery to white people. <laughs> which is so fucked up. Uh, rightfully so, the Cherokee Nation went to the Supreme Court of the United States trying to legally keep their land, um, trying not to cause any trouble, and because, you know, it was theirs and not Georgia's. So Georgia immediately started whining about states' fucking rights and how that it wasn't the federal government's business meddling in their affairs, despite the fact that 
The Cherokee were there first. It's their fucking land. There's a treaty for it. We all talked about it. We all agreed on it. You don't get to talk about states' fucking rights. Um, yeah, and it's almost as if that argument, John, seems familiar. I feel like I've heard We're people whining about states' rights. Gonna and... hear that later in history more mm. than once. I see. I see. It tends to be kind of a butt heart, a butt hurt cry. Oh, oh, states' rights, states' rights. When you haven't been able to, you know, use the legal machinery to to steal what you want, then, right. then and now it's all about states' rights. But you know, we'll. We'll hear more on that in history later. Uh, Justice John Marshall, this is so annoying. He he did say, like, oh, Cherokees can't be considered as U.S. citizens, which is fucking insane to me. <laughs> Can you imagine being told you're not a citizen? Well, only white people could be citizens. Fuck! Only um, white males could be citizens. So he did, however, rule that Georgia had absolutely no right to take sovereign lands and that they had no right or authority to remove or displace anybody. Um, Sorry, page turning. So the Cherokee were hopeful, even with all the noise out of Washington about the failures of civilizing the Indians, they thought that it was case closed and that Georgia could go back to minding its own fucking business. But unfortunately, they were unprepared for how cruel, evil, and greedy some people in positions of power can be. Um, At this point, Jackson uh, is officially president, and in May of 1830, he signs the Indian Removal Act. Andrew Jackson, the man on our $20 bill, was really into what Georgia was doing, and he liked the way that they were illegally seizing land and wanted in on that. So in response to John Marshall's ruling of the Supreme Court, uh, he said... John Marshall made his decision, now let him enforce it. So meaning that Georgia could do what it wanted, steal the land, and he wasn't no snitch, and he wasn't going to do a damn thing about it. So the laws that Georgia passed against the Cherokees were they were not allowed to testify against white people. They weren't allowed to sell their land to the U.S. government, or they could be fined and sent to prison. They weren't allowed to mine for gold. No public dissent, meaning a white person was not allowed to live amongst uh, native peoples unless given permission by the state. And the punishment for that was four years of hard labor. So this meant that any missionaries living amongst the native peoples would end very badly. And some did end up serving four years for just being there, for just living there. How dare you? Those affected by the Indian uh, Removal Act... The first ones were the Choctaw. Most of their journey was on foot with almost no food, water, supplies, and some were even bound in chains and marched in double file. And in 1836, uh, they came for the Creek Indians. Of the 15 to 20,000 that were marched away at gunpoint, 3,500 of them died. And it was all thanks to General Winfield Scott. And I felt like his name was worth mentioning because he was in charge of these soldiers. Uh, So there were 4,000 official troops and 3,000 volunteers. And I don't know if they like the 3,000 volunteers were like, hey, I'll come too. Or if they needed more men and just asked for volunteers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not sure if they'd called out some militia and and stuff to help out or or, or if they just volunteered cats just showed up and right? said sure all all heard the all heard the redskins off to right? this what is it this oklahoma place <laughs> sure here it sucks um a small faction of cherokee known as the treaty party met with the government uh with government officials in 1835 and agreed to the terms of the treaty of new echota um which gave the u.s 
all of its lands for $5 million. So the people that signed this uh, treaty were not official members. They did not represent the Cherokee Nation. This was an extremely small minority group literally acting on their own accord. No one asked them to be there. They just went there, signed a treaty, not represented, not elected by the people. Um, and the Cherokee tried to point this out. Like, you just have this random group of people that just walked in and signed shit. What? They're not who you're supposed to be dealing with. Um, uh, false proxies. 100%. So, yeah. So the Cherokee tried to point out that the government, uh, to the government, that some pack of assholes had signed something that no one wanted them to sign. And the U.S. responded much in the way of po- the Pawn Stars meme. Do you, sorry, the Pawn Stars meme. Where he's like, sorry, man, best I can do is 20 bucks. But I think in their case, they said, best we can do is internment camps. So this treaty gave the U.S. government the justification to bully hundreds of thousands of people from their homes and take all of their shit. And when Jackson finally responded to their nation after being severely betrayed, I'm sorry, yeah, after being severely betrayed, Jackson wrote about how the situation was out of his poor little hands and that it was just beyond anything he could do for them to keep their land, even though he's the one that signed it. Um, He said it was impossible for them to live among civilized society, like a dick, And then he actually finished his letter, and this made me, like, freak out. I was so angry. He ended his letter with, may the great spirit teach you how to choose. What a fucking dick. Um, By the time the removal began, Jackson was no longer president, so his predecessor, Martin Van Buren, had the task of the removal and was not at all kind about it. It didn't seem like there were very clear instructions for the removal process other than, so I guess they were told, oh, well, be nice to the Indians. And that was it. That was all the instruction they were given. So they took that as treat everybody as fucked up as possible. Um, Right up until the forced and illegal removal occurred, most Cherokee did not think that it was going to happen. There were, yeah, there were a couple thousand that got ahead of it. And they they did think it was going to happen. So they were like, fuck it, we're out. So about 2,000 people left early before, before soldiers came and started removing at gunpoint. And... Because they left on their own accord, and they left when the river levels were high enough to travel by boat, um, so less than 25 people out of 2,000 died. Still fucked up, but not not terrible. And, uh, yeah, so those that were forcibly removed had little time to gather their belongs- belongings when the shoulder... Oh my god, let me try that again. Those that were forcibly removed had little time to gather their belongings as soldiers looted looted everything they had, and then there were just, I guess people behind them coming behind and taking what the soldiers didn't take. Um, A man by the name of John Barnett recalled his time as a soldier uh, during the illegal removal process. He had actually grown up around many Indians and even knew the language. So he was sent as a translator and he recalled men, women, children, and the elderly being dragged from their homes. Some basically at bayonet point, some by their hair, many left with almost nothing. And some even didn't have shoes or blankets. And he said that they were driven like cattle into the 645 wagons that had been brought. Um, Chief John Ross was able to say a quick prayer before the horn sounded and the wagons began to move. Um, this was really, really sad. It, He said all of the children stood up and waved goodbye to the mountains, thanking them for all that they had done for them and letting their people live there for so long, which was just heartbreaking because they were never going to see their home again. This was it. 
Um, Barnett said that from the morning of November 17th, 1937 until May 26, 1938, when they finally arrived in Oklahoma was nothing but suffering and death. Um, there was so much sleet and snow on the journey that many lost their lives to extreme, uh, cold weather. People were forced to sleep on the ground if they couldn't fit in the wagons and had nothing to build a fire with. So those that didn't die immediately from the cold would often catch pneumonia and die. And then he said that he saw as many 20, as many as 22 people die in one night from the cold. And John Ross's wife was among them when she gave her blanket to a freezing child. So she had nothing to keep her warm. Um, she was buried in a shallow unmarked grave along with all of the others that had died that night. And I really liked this quote from him. So I typed it up. Um, I think it sums it up really nicely. And he says, murder is murder. I'm going to say that again. Murder is murder, whether committed by the villain skulking in the dark or by the uniformed men stepping to the strains of martial music. Murder is murder and somebody must answer. Somebody must explain the stream of blood that flowed in Indian country in the summer of 1838. Somebody must explain the 4,000 silent graves that mark the trail of Cherokee to their, ex to their exile. I wish I could forget it all, but the picture of 645 wagons lumbering over the frozen ground with their cargo of suffering humanity still lingers in my memory. Let the historians of future day tell the sad story with its sighs, its tears, and dying groans. Let the great judge of all the earth weigh our actions and reward us accordingly to our work. Um, the Cherokee Nation originally had 81 million acres of land in the treaty signed by the U.S. The Forever Treaty lasted about 20 years, and today they own 160,000 acres, which is less than one-third of 1%. 1 so, that was the Trail of Tears, at least what little I could, like, pack in to what we were doing. This is much longer than I'm used to reading, and... Uh, I mean, shit, there are whole books. There are entire books written about this. There's so much going on behind the scenes, so much politics, so many other people involved that, like, got left out that should have been mentioned, but just, dude, there just wasn't enough time. Um, and then really quick, my sources. So I got one from National Geographic article that had no author. It was honestly meant for, like, eighth graders <laughs> to read for book reports. <laughs> Um, I got a Smithsonian article by Brian Hicks and then another Smithsonian article by Dennis Zotig, Z-O-T-I-G-H, Zotig, Zotig, um, a history article by Christopher Klein. And then I got information from Indians.com and that's Indians with a Z and then like another nameless history.com article with no author. So yeah, fuck. What did I leave out, John? Um, Lots. I just wanted to mention that about a hundred years later, almost the exact same thing would happen mm. across the Atlantic Ocean in Europe, specifically yep. in Germany. Um, and it's almost like a replay. A lot of the dictators uh, and people from the 20th century who wanted to oppress other people, they did. They were intelligent. They did study history, mm -hmm. and you know, always like to use prior art, like what's worked before. And I'm almost certain that some of these cats at least read in passing of the Trail of Tears and said, "Hey, this is an excellent framework of of getting rid of some people, especially when we want the people gone. We want to keep their stuff. We want to keep their land." Yeah, and it happened. Uh, it happened r roughly at the same time. The hundred, you know, is going on in Germany. The that was happening to the Jews was happening to the Ukrainians 
in the Soviet Union. Yeah. So this sort of thing, unfortunately, has happened again and again and again, and it doesn't seem that there's any ability for anybody to stop it. Yep. It just seems to be something that humans do to one another, and it sometimes makes me wonder, you know, if there really is any hope for us all. Well, no. Uh, like you said, every every species that lives does eventually become extinct. You know, there's there's no doubt that humanity someday will reach that point. I, I don't know how long. We could do it to each other. Maybe the a comet takes us out. Who fucking knows? Um, I, I do think humanity has some pretty severe flaws. You know, life can be very beautiful. Life can be very ugly. It's... And it's not just how you look at it. Sometimes you're just dealt a really shit hand and it's not fair and there's nothing you can do about it. And I think that was one of those things that they didn't deserve this, but it happened anyway. And no one was there to stop them. People were too busy just wanting their land. Um, You know, really loving the idea that, well, hey, look, there's this big fancy house and now I've got my own plantation and my own slaves and check me out. I got it and I I didn't even have to do shit for it. I just had to buy off whatever politician yeah just just show up and take uh take ownership of uh fertile tilled land and equipment and stock and houses and equipment that, that was left there yeah through the hard toil and work of native americans who were trying to play white man's game and actually kind of winning at it oh they were doing great because i i did not realize that they had assimilated to the point where some of them had fucking slaves. Like they had a full blown cotton plantation. I'm not saying that's a great example, but I'm saying that's how assimilated they had become into trying to get into the culture. Um, well, John Ross was mostly white. So I'll say that. And he was the one example of like the plantation owner with the slaves and stuff and a cotton field. Not that that was okay, but like I said, that, that just shocked me. I, I did not realize I still pictured you know, this whole trail of tears that no one had houses, no one had anything modern. It was just people living off the land, right. no out farms. Of their, yanked out of their tents and, and dragged off to literally Oklahoma. literally what I thought that it was, you know, because I just have such a sad knowledge of my own history in my own country. So, but that's the point of this, is to, to try to learn and share what little I know, what little I learn. I mean, even today, Oklahoma's a pretty, a pretty economically... Um, deprived area, even though it had oil or still has oil and has a lot of natural resources and stuff. It's just the, the theft didn't stop with the Trail of Tears because once the Native Americans got settled on their treaty tracts of land in, in eastern and, and central Oklahoma, then someone discovered lead and copper on it mm-hmm. and then somebody else discovered oil on it. And so they lost even more of their lands they'd already been uprooted without a penny in their pockets and dumped in these areas have to start all over again from scratch and guess what you're moving again yeah because there's oil underneath there you you stupid redskins don't own the mineral rights so get off our land because we're gonna pump the oil out of it we're gonna dig the lead and the copper out of it yep and where where do you have left to go? There was no place left to exile them that that was worse than Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I mean, General Sherman said it best. He said, "If I owned both hell and Oklahoma, I would live in hell and red Oklahoma out." Mm-hmm. I mean, the eastern part of it is pretty in spots, but it's bottom land. It's 
pretty soggy and swampy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the western part of it, where I spent two years of my life, is this god-blasted <laughs> wasteland where the wind never stops screaming out of the north for six months out of the year. Yeah. And the other six months of the year, you have tornadoes and mosquitoes the size of hummingbirds. Yep. And chiggers <laughs> and fleas and ticks yep. and lice and everything. You know, we used to call them lawyer flies. Because they would just come out of nowhere, bite you, leave a welt half the size of a golf ball, and fly away again. Yeah. And that, that, that was, you know, I went to Oklahoma in 1987 as a soldier for the United States Army. I took my basic training at Fort Sill and stayed there for the following, near, following 23 months. And I have to say, in a lot of ways, it was the longest 23 months of my life. Because I worked in a job where I worked outdoors 359 <laughs> days out of the year. Yeah. So if it was cold out, I was cold. If it was hot out, I was hot. I also worked with uh, dangerous um, hydraulic mechanical equipment and explosives. Um, Kids, don't do this. (laughs) I have to ask you a question. Did it beat being home? Well, I mean, yeah, including up to my eyeballs and boiling oil would have been better being home. But I I probably could have made better choices of where not to be at home. (laughs) And then it's funny, like, you, you know, your niece, her very first place she went is fucking Hawaii and then it just got better from there she just kept getting sent to like great places and it drove me crazy because she's in Hawaii and she's like I miss the snow it was like go fuck yourself you're on a beautiful beach man enjoy this moment you're in fucking Hawaii full disclosure my my niece uh, serves the United States Marine Corps full disclosure those hooligans those ruffians, <laughs> the Marines. I love the Marines. So we used to train Marines uh, to do field artillery tasks because they couldn't afford an artillery base of their own. Yep. So we'd we train their we train their officers, we train their forward observers for all the artillery tasks, and I loved them because they were a ten of like police dogs. Army army soldiers, the second you take your eyes off them, they're going to be staring off into space or trying to sneak back behind something, have a cigarette, or, or just fall asleep. But Marines would just track you wherever you went, hung off of every word you said, like just a, like a pack of police dogs. Yeah, I was going to say like a fucking beefed up pit bull, man. That would scare and me. you asked them to do anything, and it was like, and they just run off and do it. It's like, no, nah, I really didn't. I really didn't mean for you to to slam your head through the side of that ammunition crate. I was just kidding around. You could take that off your head now. <laughs> sorry, that reminds me of that. Oh, sorry, it's so stupid. It was a Kevin and Bean story where Bean is a six foot five tall man, and like this is real life. But like he, somebody accidentally locked the keys into a truck, and this is like a tiny little cab. Uh, that it's got so they're like well the back window's open and he was like he had like the slenderest frame of the three men so he was able to get his body through and get the keys but unfortunately coming out the whole window popped out at his waist and he's wearing this little (laughs) this little truck window is like a a little skirt you know (laughs) But they were, and they were like, "Did you get pictures?" And they were like, "This is before cell phones. No one had a camera." Yeah, so, all the fun stuff happened before cell phones. It's true. Actually, actually, a lot of the legally actionable stuff happened before cell phones too. So that's good, right? It's like the older generations talks about how dumb the younger generation is, and it's like it's only because you have proof <laughs> at how stupid this generation is. You forget how dumb you were when you were fifteen years old. 
So speaking about dumb, yes. there, there was at the time, uh, 1987 through 1989, that I was in Oklahoma, there was a local uh, festival not terribly far away from Lawton, Oklahoma, which is the home of Fort Sill uh, Army Base. Uh, it was called the Warrico Rattlesnake Roundup. Right on. And apparently what would transpire is that you were given a gunny sack and uh, no other no other tools unless you decide to bring your own tools. And you were sent forth off into the countryside to jam your hands under logs and between rocks to find rattlesnakes, bring them back where they would give you a dollar a piece for them, and then they would cu- they would kill them, uh, skin them, save the skins, and everybody would cut up the rattlesnake parts deep fry, batter them, deep fry them and, and eat rattlesnakes, kind of like greasy fish, it's got a lot of bones and it. it's not my favorite. Yeah. But generally part of the tradition was to get about as liquored up as you could and still move <laughs> and then wander across the countryside looking for poisonous, <laughs> sorry, venomous reptiles. And my friends and I, uh, who are all not from Oklahoma, were just had heard about this, and we had come out. We didn't want to participate. We just wanted to spectate. Yep. We asked, you know, how how's it been going so far? Because it had been going on Friday, and we show up Saturday, and they're like, yeah, only seven people have been bit so far, and only two of those have died. What the fuck? And I'm like, good year, huh? It's like, oh, yeah, some years we can lose a dozen. <laughs> and this is perfectly, perfectly normal, acceptable behavior in in South Central Oklahoma, this is this is a festival. They had rides for the kids. They had a big pit where you'd throw the snakes before well, you throw the them. kids into the rattlesnake. And the kids could just, if they wanted to go into the pit, they could go into the pit. I mean, the pit was just enough to keep a snake out, not a person. Big ball of angry venomous reptiles that have been you know ripped out of their homes. Probably have some kind of in their dim little snaky mind idea that something bad is going to happen to them soon, so they're fairly irritated. Uh, and I we looked around, no medics on site, uh-huh. no paramedics, no ambulance or anything like that. If you got bit, you got got driven into town fifteen miles away, and if it was the will, uh, if it was the will of your maker, you might survive. Was this a fever dream? Did this happen? Oklahoma was a fever dream. What are you talking about? <laughs> Were you just high on oil fumes? Um, you know, maybe that's what it all was. You were just really sitting up in a tree, perched like an owl, <laughs> never trying to get you down for, you know, Friday night through Saturday morning. I mean, that happened too, but I we did go to the Warika Rattlesnake Roundup. All right, I believe you. It sounds insane. It is insane. It is insane. I know it's the late 80s, and I know people be like, it was a different time. That seems like a different planet. That it, doesn't just seem like a different time. It is a different planet. <laughs> I, I lived in the world's smallest trailer park. Yeah. World's smallest trailer park had three house trailers. Uh, double. Uh, we lived in the double wide, me and my two roommates. And then the little cottage where the owner of the world's smallest trailer park um, lived with his wife, Brenda. He was our communications sergeant, Sergeant Tully. And then it was me and Buck and Neil... Uh, living in the double wide, and then there were two single wides. Uh, one was occupied by another pair of soldiers, and then the third one on the end was occupied by uh, another soldier from our unit and his wife, who was up until that point in time probably the largest self-propelled human I had ever seen in my life. 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't know what the term obese meant, but I knew that when they had to widen the trailer door from 36 to 40 inches so she could turn sideways to get into it. Yeah. I knew that that was the largest person I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. Was was this the bitch that stole your cable? Yeah. No. Oh, you phone, your service. phone service. Back when long distance calls were a big fucking deal. Yeah. Me and my me and my two roommates had gone in. Um, I was responsible for. We each split the rent three ways. I was responsible for the phone service. Um, Neil had the electrical service, and Buck uh, was responsible for. I believe it was gas and gas and water. You know, so we had the bills all split up, even Stephen, fair and square. And I noticed that my fucking phone bill got insane. I mean, an insane phone bill back then was like 45, 50 bucks. You have to understand I was making the princely sum of $932 a month before taxes, Yep. you know, and I'm paying 70, my chunk of the rent, 75 bucks. And I'm used to the phone bill being basic service. Plus, uh, you know, we'd each make a long distance phone call back home to our mom or what girlfriend or whatever. So you're looking at a phone bill of about, you know, eight or nine bucks. And suddenly it's a phone bill of about 50 bucks. And I budgeted for that. So I immediately go to my roommates, which one of you dickheads is is running the phone bill up? Did it say, did it say on the phone? Oh yeah, we had the numbers and stuff. And it's like, I don't know anybody in that area code. And I knew where these guys were from. You know, uh, Buck was from St. Louis, Neil's from Michigan. These are, these are area codes deeper in the deeper South. These are area codes like in Georgia and we didn't know anybody in Georgia. So I decided I was going to figure it all out. So I traded duty with another cat and didn't tell anybody because, you know, did you have a fairly predictable schedule? I mean, yeah, every, you know, if you were in my unit, you knew where I was going to be. But I'm saying, would your neighbor have known? Um, yes, they would have. Yeah. But that's why I kind of did it on the down low. Got the first sergeant last minute. Hey, top, I'm going to take his duty. Oh, it's bullshit, but I'll let you do it. Yeah. You know, and nobody knows that I'm going to have the next day off. Mm-hmm. The deal was 24 hour duty and then you get the next 24 hours off. So I go home like park around the block so my car's not out in front of the trailer and literally sneak into my own trailer where I knew my suspect wouldn't have a view of me. And instead of going to sleep after 24 hours of being awake, I just kind of sat up real quiet. So did you think you were going to see, what was your expectation? Did you think, oh, I'll probably catch my roommate making that call that he swore he didn't make or, or something? No, my or roommates, suspect? my roommates weren't there. I had suspicions on who it was, but I needed, I needed proof. You did think it was her? I did think it was her. Yeah. From something that uh, Sergeant uh, Tully's wife had said, she noticed that uh, this gal had been kind of crashed around the brush back there with the telephone. And, you know, the only thing this gal could do to get through brush <laughs> was, was crash through, through it. <laughs> like crash a, Like a freaking moose. Yeah, dude. Just a big, pasty. If you're not careful, she'll fucking charge you. You can't move too quick. <laughs> oh, and, and it would be lethal. She'd just stop me. And she'd turn me into a grease spot. I mean, I was a good-sized lad, and she probably had double my body weight on me. At least, yeah. Just pure flubber. <laughs> and so I'm just looking out my, my buddy's bedroom window. He had the big bedroom at the end of the trailer, and I'm just kind of looking there like Kilroy with my eyes poking <laughs> over the window. So, yeah. And here comes herself waddling yeah. across you yeah. know, the trailer park. You know, with, And she goes and she takes 
her phone connection uh, in the phone box and unplugs my phone connection and swaps these things, yeah. waddles back to her trailer, edges her way sideways back through the 40-inch wide door, yeah. uh, feeds her 40-pound six-month-old another <laughs> Butterfinger bar to shut it up, and sits there and talks with somebody for an hour and a half. Yeah. Finishes up, sticks another Butterfinger in the kid, gets up, sidles sideways out the door, almost falls and destroys the earth by tripping down the <laughs> stairs, gets up, waddles over, and swaps our input-output jacks back in the box. Yeah. I didn't realize they were so close. I thought she had to, like, drag her cord across mm. the yard. Nope. She had to get out to the phone box phone box on the phone, telephone uh, pole. I can't believe that wasn't – that's not locked. For it prob- or probably something. had been at one oh, point in yeah. time, but uh, you know, all she had to do is break just, it off with her giant ham just fist, bite it off, <laughs> no, just crack it with her knuckles. <laughs> and so I confronted, uh, I confronted her husband about it, and uh, said, "Look, either you're going to cough up, you know, fifty fucking bucks, what, what's owed, or you and me and that can go down and see the commander." Because yep. a lot of these things could be handled by military justice. A yep. lot of times a commander has the power to, you know, dole out the low and the middle justice. Yeah. And so he was already in enough trouble in the Army just being him and yeah. fairly friggin' useless yep. um, that he grudgingly paid me the money oh, like over the next three months. Oh, whining, wow. whining bitterly the entire time. Like it was your fault? Yes. Jesus, be like, lower then, your fucking Butterfinger bill. You and can he was, you back know, pronto. she don't get to talk to her mom and things get rough around here. And I see, you know, it's more like a you problem, my friend, than a me problem because. Like, I'm not your fucking wife's therapist. What the <laughs> fuck? I don't pay her phone bills. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was the, the great trailer park telephone caper. All right. Which, uh, sorry, I know this is, pro- I don't know if this is Oklahoma and I don't know if you even want to tell this story. Didn't you have to like. <laughs> In self-defense, bl- like blow away a dog that was trying to attack you in a trailer. Yes. Was that in Oklahoma? Yes. Oh. That was in the same trailer. Oh my goodness! You are surrounded by delightful people. Yeah. On the other side of the fence from the world's smallest trailer park was, <laughs> I don't know. It probably started out life as a house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it went, you know, south like from a there. Duplex or something? No, it started out life as a house and got turned into a shanty. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> you know, gotcha. like we can't reshingle the roof, so we're just going to drag some tin up there and put rocks on top of it. <laughs> yeah. And just replace that every time a tornado goes through. Jesus. Guy had dogs. Guy had, I'm training these dogs. And I'm like, you know, you're feeding these dogs gunpowder is what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't know much about dog fighting, but in retrospect, I think that's what this cat was doing. But. His dogs would occasionally jump or just walk through the fence and come out and, you know, bark bark at people and charge people and stuff like that. Nobody really been bitten yet. And one day I went to go leave my trailer. My two friends are off somewhere. I'd woke up late. They'd already got off and started on their days. Sunday for sure. And they'd already wandered off to do something and. I get up and I'm going to leave the trailer and I open up the door and there's this friggin' German shepherd. Yeah. Like, like foam flying out of its mouth. Eyes are all bugged out of its head. And I was like, slam the door. And it's like, 
shit, maybe I can sneak out the back. Nah, fuck it, can walk around. Yeah. You know, it's going to bite me in it'll, the ass. It'll, it's faster than you it'll are. It'll you know just it bite is. me in the ass as I'm trying to shitty out of one of these <laughs> cheap shit trailer windows. So I'm like, fuck, I'm treed. I'm treed in my own. I'm like, I, I wanted to call call this guy, but I didn't know his phone number. I'm pretty sure he didn't have a phone. I'm yelling. I'm yelling, this guy's name's Mar- Marshall. Marshall, come get your fucking dog, motherfucker. Yep. And it will not leave. It will not leave the front steps. It will not. Fu- every time it hears me moving the fucking trailer, it gets back up on the board. Rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah. So I'm like, shit. My buddy Neil has a 45 in the closet. He's not supposed to have a 45 in the closet, but he's got a 45 in the closet. Us soldiers. We had uh, kind of restricted weapons ownership. Yeah. It was a gray area because we were assigned to live in barracks, but we're given permission to live out on the economy that we would still keep our personally owned weapons locked up in the arms room instead mm-hmm. of our domicile. But he's got this 45 in the closet. And I'm like, I... I have to ask the question. You didn't... You didn't have anybody... Like, you didn't... You couldn't call animal control. I know this is insane. Had you considered 911 to come and get the dog? No, not at all. No, no, we didn't want we didn't want anything to do with Lawton City cops. Oh, because they, we that's were right. soldiers. They hated you guys. They I fucking forgot. hated us. They would have just sat there in their in their police cruiser and just laughed and laughed at yeah. that dumb dumb Which, soldier boy trapped in his fucking trailer by yeah. by the stupid ass dog. Yeah. So I just being irritated through many other encounters with this asshole's dogs before. I open up the door. And blew it the fuck away. I shot it right between the goddamn horns. Just took half its skull off. I mean, if I feel like if they had come and taken that dog, they probably would have put it down. It's it sounds like that dog was insane. Maybe it ate his meth. Um, yeah, meth was starting to become a thing back then. We called it crank. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and I took that. I took that dog, and he wasn't around. And I took seventy pounds of dead dog and threw it over his fucking fence. Oh my god, John! <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, his, his, his dogs tended to. He the fence back there got reinforced, hmm. and they tended to come out a lot less often after that. Shit. Because, you know, nothing no, nothing says control your animals like, you know, uh, getting one of your dogs back with half its head blown off. Again, another question. He never came and asked around what happened to my dog? I think it was pretty clear. Well, I know he knew what happened to his dog. <laughs> but, like, I think he put the pieces together. <laughs> <laughs> Even this cat could probably, you know, come up with uh, connect the dots. So, but, like, you, uh, he never, what motherfucker shot my dog? No, because I had a gun. I'm pretty sure he didn't. Like, yep, whoever shot my dog's got a gun, so <laughs> I guess I won't. I mean, he wasn't going to be winning the Nobel Prize anytime soon, but he could He could do that graph. Damn. Well, that'll get us <laughs> exiled from the podcast community. <laughs> that story. Some guy told a story about shooting a fucking dog in the head. What the fuck? <laughs> that dog had it coming. You know, well, like you, I said, this is 1980. This is 1988. So that does remind me of the, that story. Of that guy you used to work with. We won't say his name, but like he hated his wife's cat. Remember? And it. He kept trying to. He literally <laughs> tried to fucking kill this cat every time oh, his wife left because he's out <laughs> of his fucking mind. And like. <laughs> I don't remember what it just hated him because it had to have been more than it just hated him because 
What did it do to him? It took every opportunity to claw or bite his ass in the darkness. Oh, okay. It would always... Just, yeah, just come out and slash at him or bite him and stuff. Did it like penis stuff too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. And like... Not her stuff, his stuff. His stuff. I just remember you telling that story where the cat finally, he finally had it. And it like ran into a wood pile or something. And he saw those two beady little glowing (laughs) eyes. And he fucking... He went, boom, and those little eyes <laughs> weren't there anymore. Weren't anymore. I know that's such a cruel story, but fuck, man. Ooh, Listen. Do you remember my dad and the raccoons? Your dad and the raccoons. Which we may have to do another time, or if, if we've got, it's not an Oklahoma story. But. Did you have any more Oklahoma stories, or was that it? Um, surviving, <laughs> because I lived in the world's smallest trailer park, I actually had a situation where a tornado just didn't think we were worth destroying and actually ducked us. <laughs> Just went like literally around you. The tornado horns went off, and it's like there's nowhere to there's nowhere to shelter. There's a ditch, and I can get under my car. Either of those things sucks, but it's better than waiting in the trailer to go off to what's probably not going to be Oz. (laughs) And so it's another day where I'm where I'm not on duty. I just had the 24 hour duty, so I come out. It's like, can I run? And I look, and I can feel the atmospheric pressure changing in my ears. And I know I've got about 10 seconds to you know, assume, go the, posi- under the, to, trailer. <laughs> to assume <laughs> the position and make peace with my maker. So I go underneath my car. My You're like, two this is ton, ridiculous. My two-ton 72 Ford Maverick, the Red yeah. Rust Rock, the Void Cruiser. I just roll under it. Don't even mind the anthill there. Least of my problems. I Right as I roll under my own car, knowing that it's utter, utter futility, the tornado finishes carving a path through the trailer park to the west. It's a 75 trailer trailer park. Tears up about a half dozen of those. Skips. <laughs> The blunt end of the tornado, the business end, skips completely over our three and a half trailer lot, lands on the other side of Fort Sill Boulevard, and begins tearing its way through a 90 trailer lot. That's insane. And I'm like, really? We weren't significant enough? You're like, excuse me. Excuse me. We matter. We deserve you know, to be ripped to shreds. I peed my pants, <laughs> and you're just going to do this. You know, and most people would take it, that was a miracle. I'm like, that was a, pers- that was a personal slur. Yeah. <laughs> that was a sick burn, as we like to call. <laughs> I have a fixed amount of energy, and I will not be wasting it on you. You are not worth my time. <laughs> That's how that's how I survived the the tornado. Incredible. By, by living in the most inconsequential, smallest trailer park in all of Comanche County. Maybe it was like PU and <laughs> went over it. Like this place stinks. Yeah, it didn't didn't hit Homeboy's house with all the dogs either. Damn it. See nope. him and a bunch of dogs swirl off to Oz. A bunch of dead dogs in the tornado. <laughs> Where all these dogs come from? <laughs> One of them's got a bullet hole in its head. <laughs> It looks crazy. There was one more story. Because you do have... I I don't know how many people give a shit about this. But there was one story you told that was so funny about like... Didn't they arrest somebody and you guys took a fucking tank and pointed it at the police station in Lawton, Oklahoma? Was that in Lawton? Uh, yeah, it wasn't a tank. It was a toad howitzer. But okay. it was still... Yeah, they, they'd gotten the... They'd gone and arrested the Harv. 
again, and it really wasn't the harp's fault because there were a lot of us there with him at the time, and it really it, this time it wasn't his fault. This time, well, but like, he was yeah. he was black and he was a soldier, and you know the Latin uh, city cops decided that they you know had about an ass full of soldiers. And like they did a couple times a year, decided to bung him up in the Lawton City Jail for, you know, so your commander has to come and bail you out and there has to be a civilian trial and this, that, and the other thing. And nothing nothing bad was going to happen to Harv, but it was kind of the principle of the thing. The battery commander had had enough and the battalion commander had had enough and somehow somebody was able to dispatch a truck with a gun. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any ammunition, but the, the boys in blue didn't know that. So we yep. just rolled the truck up and dropped the howitzer right in the parking lot of the police station and pounded the concrete stakes in. <laughs> so the base plate cranked the wheels up, brought the piece around, had a blank charge, opened up the breech block, put the blank charge in, closed it. It's like, send him out. <laughs> And about 15 seconds later, out comes the hard, like, hi, guys, that thing fucking loaded? We're all like, you know, shit, get in the truck. Do the recover the do the ninety second drill to recover the howitzer, drive the harv away, and it's like they never came for him. The arrest sheets never nobody ever called the commander and stuff is like, this just never happened. Yep. <laughs> we will speak no more on this topic for about six months. They were nice enough to leave soldier boys alone in town. Aw. Last well, six months, you had a good run. It's not yeah, too bad. Yeah, you know. And then they arrest somebody six months later. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't from our unit, so we didn't care. Yep. <laughs> like, they can drag the fucking howitzer out there. <laughs> well, some of those boys had had the big self-propelled howitzers that look like a tank but aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Bigger than a tank, and the gun's certainly a lot larger. <laughs> and that is not something you would park in your parking lot with the main gun pointed at the door. Look, anything that has the description main gun as part of its equipment gets the right away. You really don't want to fuck with it. Right. Whether it's not really a tank. Oh, it's not really a tank. The armor's only an inch and a half thick. It's like, look, when you're staring down the barrel of it, it doesn't really matter at that point in time. You win. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, wait, what was the last thing you wanted to say before I made you tell that story? I don't remember. Shit. Well, I smoked weed. What's your excuse? I've been hitting the head a lot and oh. 103,000 uh, muzzle blasts from aforementioned howitzers. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah, you even got a, a pool stick cracked over your head, which is impressive. Well, that's what they tell me. That's what they tell you. That's all you need to know. Watch, they'll be like, <laughs> no, should be like from the grave. Like, no, someone just dropped a brick on his head. We tell him he got into a fight. We try to make him feel better. Well, when they x-rayed my head in 2017 when I made my VA claim, yeah. which I should have made, you know, beers and beers ago, but yeah. finally got around to it. They x-rayed my head and it's like, do you realize that you had five skull fractures <laughs> i'm like five like hey all right did you high five the doctor yeah because <laughs> i only remember being told about three <laughs> <laughs> they're like, well, there's no way that you can prove that those happen to military service i'm like well you're like, right but like, they happen during military service <laughs> do you think it's the time that guy broke that pool stick over my head probably not though you're right it was probably some other time like i bumped my head on the cabinet or yeah the time that they slammed the hat shut on my head or yep. <laughs> the camouflage pole broke and knocked me to my knees so you have cool concussion stories i well fracture stories 
Not so cool. Really, head injuries aren't cool. But yours at least have a fun story behind them. Or something where you can laugh about now or maybe cry about later. (laughs) There's like meaning behind it. I've had one minor concussion and it was when I was working at Neater's and the safety cage for the bread machine fell on top of my head. That's it. That's what happened. I remember feeling foggy. I was like, I feel weird. I didn't like it, you know? And that's the only concussion I've ever had. I was in I was in Casper, Wyoming at the time on my vacation, and you <laughs> called me and told me what had happened. It's like, yep, you got your bell rug. I was like, John, I feel so weird. <laughs> like, that's like, how I feel all the time. <laughs> you're like, I'm familiar with this one. I can help. Your brain's <laughs> I, fucked. <laughs> I can name this. I can name this dude in three notes. <laughs> yeah. That was my one and only concussion. I remember I had to get sent home. They were like, are you okay? You don't get points. You don't get points for concussions. They take points away. True. But my story takes away even more points. <laughs> I wish my story added points back, and it doesn't. Because they had moved the stupid bread machine, didn't, like, they shoved it back too far or something, and then the cage was hitting the above, like, rack... So it barely, it like very gently sat, so you couldn't move too fast or it would fall, and no one thought, hmm. and even I didn't think, this well maybe might be let's dangerous. just literally move it like two inches forward, and the problem is solved. No, no, no. We'll just make this as ridiculous as possible until someone inevitably gets concussed. Cl- clobbers himself in the noggin, yeah. And I did, and it was embarrassing. I've like, I've, you know... Not too many war wounds from from eaters. I mean, I told you to drive home, so... (laughs) What? Oh, you did. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, you're not talking about... I wanted you to drive home before your brain swelled. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Where I'm sitting all bug-eyed at the fucking (laughs) light. My brain's pushing my eyeballs out. Somebody might have to shoot you in the head. (laughs) Like She looks like SpongeBob. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, like that one time I crashed my bike and... uh, not the bad one, the one before that, when I scraped Just my head up real bad. A bunch of road rash. A bunch of road rash. But, like, I remember sitting with the phone, and I was like, okay, if I can dial John's number, number by number, and I don't get confused, <laughs> I think I'm okay. If I can't remember it, I'm going to try to call 911 <laughs> or something, or wave somebody down. Cause, You're going to try to call that number, number, number. Yeah. But true to Colorado Springs form, no one gave a shit that I fell Plenty of people saw me wreck. No one gave a shit, asked if I was okay. I was literally sitting there, blood dripping down my face on the road. Just (laughs) silence from everybody around. Like, sucks to be that bitch. Anyways, off to 7-Eleven I go. Humiliating. (laughs) Yep. Um, I think I already told that story, though. Anyway, we should probably wrap this up. Thank you so much for helping. I'm sorry if we were rusty. Um, well, I know I'm rusty from having not done this for like a month, and then John mm, is just John. I've been hit the head a lot. He's uh, tell us tell us about that, John. I, I've been hit the head a lot. Oh, okay. All right. Goodbye, young ones. Important safety tip, kids. Don't get hit in the head. Goodbye. Bye.